Alhamdulillah Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala Amma ba'du fan Abi Amr Sufyan ibn Abdillah radiyallahu anhu qal Qultu ya Rasulullah Qulli fil islami qawlan la as'alu anhu ahadan ghayrak Qala qul amantu billahi thumma istaqim Rawahu Muslim Alhamdulillah respected brothers and sisters and honorable listeners We are continuing with explanation of these ahadith from the Arba'een of Imam al-Nawi, from the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawi. And as we mentioned, that many scholars of the past, they compiled various ahadith, uh, various compilations on, you know, what they call ajza' or majmu'at or arba'inat. And the objective of these arba'inat is to select, for example, a subject such as Qiyamul Layl or such as Zuhud, you know, praying in the night or fasting or, you know, the virtue of charity or the virtue of jihad fi sabilillah or different topics and they would select the topic and on that they would compile 40 hadith or 100 hadith or whatever. This was called a juz or an arba'in. So this Arba'in of Imam al-Nawawi is one of the most prominent and one of the most famous of the compilations of these 40 hadith. And it's gained a great acceptance in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the reasons behind this is because of the fact that the subject that Imam al-Nawawi chose, he says, these hadith, alayhi madarul islam. Alayhi madarul islam. This is the speciality of this book that it's not just any any specific topic it's not one particular topic but it's a topic that right la budda minhu that you cannot it's indispensable you can't do without the these these are fundamental principles to live by and if you separate each of these ahadith it's literally a wisdom to live by uh, there was a very interesting thing that I read by one of the Stoics, Greek philosophers, Seneca. And he said that if a person wants to change their life, transform their life, and become a person of wisdom, what should you do? You want to transform your life, and you want to become a man of wisdom. This is interesting because there's a benefit in it for us. He says, what do you do? Read one word, read one word of wisdom every single day. Read one word of wisdom, one word of advice, one profound statement every day. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Allah Ta'ala has given us something which is the most profound of all profound statements. وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ مِنَ اللَّهِ حَدِيثًا Whose word can be better than the word of Allah? Alhamdulillah, if you want to read one ayah of the Qur'an, you're increasing in wisdom every day. Take that one ayah and implement it in, into your life. We have a, a, a book that we compiled, Living in the Light of the Qur'an, where you just take one ayah, short ayah, and read that, ponder, tadabbur, tafakkur, reflect on it, apply that to your life. You will, you will become better and better. You will become more wiser every day. Unfortunately, we don't do this. Our... Uh, you know, our laho, our amusements, and our, you know, the, the, the waste of time things that we watch, we do it every day. And that's why we're becoming more and more futile. As human beings, we're not becoming more and more wiser, more and more, you know, closer to Allah, more and more, you know, vast, having a higher level of consciousness, having a more patience, having more, you know, uh, deeper understanding, more wisdom. We're not. We're going backwards because what do we see? You know, every day, you know, you're subscribed to these channels. You know, kid, you know, going through the Carl's Jr. Uh, 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 <laughs> hundred. Let's see how many times, hundred times I'm going to go through the drive-through of the Carl's Jr. And it like, starts eight in the morning until like, you know, Six and seven in the evening, he's just going through the, uh, uh, you know, through the <laughs> drive through the calls, Jr. And it's just like people watching this, and then you realize, why am I becoming more and more futile? And it has an effect on your character. 
It has an effect on your, you know, on, on your outlook. It has an effect on your character. It has an effect on your not being able to understand profound things. Then when people come to you with Quran or people come to you with Hadith, they say, hey man, what's going on, Dalai Lama? What are you trying to be? Like you're trying to be some prophet? He said, they, they, they become so futile. People are becoming so, what you say, um, you know, the futility. Any things, any, everything has to be a joke. Everything is not a joke. Joking is good. The Prophet ﷺ sometimes used to joke with his companions and he would smile and, 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 and laugh with them within the boundaries. It's, it's good sometimes. But remember, the amusement and the fun in life should be like the salt in bread. When, you, when you're baking dough, when you're baking and you're making dough, you're kneading dough, right? What's the ratio of salt to the flour to the water? That's how fun and amusement and entertainment in your life should be, like that salt in that dough. But we made the salt, you know, the, the main thing, and we're the dough, the, the, the flour, we're just sprinkling it on there. We're killing ourselves. Imagine that if you, you, know, you bake bread and you put salt as much as you put the dough, or as much as you put the flour and the water, you're going to kill yourself. So we need to increase our wisdom. We need to increase our wisdom because it, 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 you know, what we read and what we expose, this, the eyes, the ears, the tongue, these are the gateways to the heart. What we see, what we get exposure here, and what we get exposure here, it enters into the heart. So we're exposing ourselves with futility, joking, mocking, ridiculing, Fun, amusement. Like I said, I'm not against it when it's equal to salt. When it's to the extent of the salt. It's, it's enjoyable. It gives taste to life. It gives taste to life. If you don't laugh, if you don't enjoy, if there's no fun games, life is like that bread without salt. You need it. And the, from the prophetic teachings, we learned that the prophet did not shun this. You see what I'm saying? But what, what we're saying is, more you should have increase yourself every day in wisdom. Increase yourself every day in one word. And what could be better than ayat of the Quran if not from the ayat of the Quran, from the teachings of Rasulullah From these hadith. Read one hadith every day. Read one hadith every day. Share it with somebody. So, you know, these, these arba'inat, this is a way where we can, subhanAllah, we don't need the wisdom of anybody. We have the wisdom of Rasulullah which is plenty for us. So here, what a beautiful advice the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa giving in the hadith al-hadi wa al-ashroon. Al-hadith al-hadi wa al-ashroon. Number, hadith number 21. Abu Amr, Abu Amr, this is the kunya, agnomen, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a term of respect that the Arabs have that they call you by your eldest son, Abu Fulan, Abu Al-Qasim, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or Abu Hafs, Umar, radiyallahu anhu, right? Or Abu Abdullah, uh, Abdul Abdurrahman. So we have all the different, the father of so-and-so. This was a, a, a term of respect that the Arabs would have. Sufyan ibn Abdullah, radiyallahu anhu, kana thaqafiyan amilan ni Umar ala ta'if, wa marwiyatuhu khamsatu ahadith. And it is said that he was Thaqafi. And Thaqafi, Banu Thaqif, was a tribe of the people of Taif. These were the same people that actually expelled the Prophet ﷺ when he came to give da'wah to the people of Taif. The tribe of Banu Thaqif, these were the ones. And the Prophet did not make dua against them. The Prophet didn't curse them. The Prophet made dua for them. And you see that from their progeny, Right? From amongst this tribe, there were people who accepted Islam, and Islam spread through them, subhanAllah. And from amongst them was Sufyan ibn Abdullah, al thaqafi And because he was from the people of Taif, Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab made him a person who was amil, yani the person who was a governor or in charge of the affairs of that city of Taif. And he, on his authority, are narrated five ahadith. In other words, he was in charge of five specific ahadith 
right? And this is how it used to be amongst the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, that they were in charge, they were the authority of this many ahadith. In other words, those ahadith reached us through that particular companion. For example, in al-Niyat, it reached us through Umar ibn Khattab. He is the authority of that. So each hadith is something like, you know, like a like a, a word of wisdom, a teaching, and he is the master of that, and he is the one who conveys that. So Sayyidina Abu Amr Sufyan ibn Abdullah, he was the authority of five specific hadith. He says, and he narrates this incident, Qultu Ya Rasulullah, Kulli fil Islami Kaulan, La asalu anhu ahadan gayrak. O Messenger of Allah, tell me something in Islam. Tell me an admonition, an advice in Islam, such a word of advice that I will not have the need to ask anyone any other advice after this. Meaning it will be such a comprehensive, it will be such a comprehensive word of advice that other than this advice, I won't need anything else in life. Subhanallah. And we can see from this a couple of points. Fiqh al-Hadith. A couple of points. Number one is that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they used to come to the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam for advice. We also in our lives should have someone that we go to for advice. Somebody that is a person of knowledge and somebody that is a person of taqwa. These are the two things. If a person has knowledge and he doesn't have taqwa, he might take you in the wrong direction. And if a person has taqwa and he doesn't have knowledge, usually these two things come together, but unfortunately we see nowadays that it, there can be one with the absence of the other, and that can be dangerous. There's a lot of pious people, a lot of good people. They pray five times a day, but they don't have knowledge. They don't have the fiqh. They don't have the understanding. They don't have that deep wisdom. You go to them, they might tell you something that is not, that is not right. You understand? They might tell you something which is according to the culture or, you know, according to whatever. We want to go to those people that they are the people of knowledge and they are the people of taqwa. And there are certain people that have knowledge, right? They know what's in the books, but the taqwa is lacking, right? So we want to go and take advantage. Rasulullah was kamil, he was perfected in his taqwa. As the Prophet himself said, I am the most pious amongst all of you, and I am the most fearful of God than all of you. And he was of the most knowledgeable as well. So having somebody like that in your life, find somebody like that in your life. Go to them. And look at, and this, this is one point. The second point is, look at what intelligent question he asked. Your questions have to, your question, the question can tell you about the questioner. The question tells us about the questioner, how intelligent they were. Right? We should ask questions Meaning, O Messenger of Allah, tell me something that, you know, that will be enough for me. Just one piece of advice. So then the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, Say that I believe in Allah and then remain steadfast upon that. So this hadith, in essence, is just two, two things he said. And the, you know, the words of the Prophet seem to be very concise, but this is one of the miracles of the Prophet. This conciseness of words, comprehensiveness of meaning. This is called Jawami'ul Kalim. And the Prophet himself in a Sahih hadith said, لَقَدْ أُوتِيتُ Jawami'ul Kalim. I have been bestowed the comprehensiveness of speech. That with short amount of words, tremendous amount of meanings. And as I mentioned to you right last week, Imam al-Bayhaqi wrote a 12-volume commentary on one hadith of the Prophet. You will not find such an example. I challenge. And this challenge is up. I don't, I don't know if anybody can you know, answer this challenge of mine. 
I challenge, and I'm, I'm not saying that it, there's, it's not possible. It could be. Somebody may have wrote a commentary on the, the statement of some Socrates or Aristotle, but I have not seen that any human being in all of civilization, based on one sentence of his 12-volume book has been written. Only in Islam, and only the words of the Prophet ﷺ. This was the kitab, Shu'abul Iman of Imam al-Bayhaqi. Shu'abul Iman of Imam al-Bayhaqi. So, this is one of those words. Qul amantu billahi thumma staqim. Literally two words of advice. Say, I believe in Allah, and remain steadfast upon that. Now, at face value, you say, what, what explanation will this have? What depth will this have? But this is actually... The words of the Prophet, you have, to, you have to look at them. They are like, how can I explain? They are like the essence of the Quranic teachings. If you look at it, the example of the teachings of the Quran is like fruit. It's like fruit. And you know, you, 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 you juice that fruit and you get the essence of it. That is the hadith of the Prophet the fruit, right? This is, this is the, exa the example of the fruit itself is the quran Karim. This is the fruit. The essence, the juice that's extracted from that, this is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And the statements of the fuqaha and the sahaba and the salaf al-sadiqeen who came after, this is the juice. They extract from the Quran. So you, you think that there's a difference there, but it actually it's, extra it's the same exact thing, but it's extracted in a way that it might seem different or sound different, but it's the same thing. Now, let me give you an example here. Let me give you an example here. Here, there's an ayah of the Quran in which Allah Azza wa Jal mentions that, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ أَلَّا تَخَافُوا وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا وَأَبْشِرُوا بِالْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ تُوْعَدُونَ نَحْنُ أَوْلِيَاءُكُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَشْتِهِ أَنفُسُكُمْ وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَدَّعُونَ نُزُلًا مِّنْ غَفُورٍ رَّحِيمٍ This ayah, which anybody, Hufaz, anybody know, where is the, check it up. This ayah of the Qur'an, basically, these words of the Prophet ﷺ is, that it's the essence of this ayah. It's the juice. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ Those who say, Our Lord is Allah. Surah Fussilat, ayat number 30. Surah Fussilat, chapter 41, verse 30. Chapter 41, verse 30. Surah Fussilat, the 30th verse. Allah Ta'ala says, Innal ladheena qalu, verily those who say, Rabbuna Allah, our Lord is Allah. And they lived on that. They lived according to this. We were discussing something in one of our durus. Another ayah of the Qur'an, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the realm of souls. It's the ayah of the Qur'an. وَإِذْ أَخَذَ رَبُّكَ مِن بَنِي آدَمْ مِن ظُهُورِهِمْ ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ وَأَشْهَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ That there was a time before we were created, this was in the realm of souls. When we were not as of, as of yet brought to this world, our father Adam was created. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his right hand as is appropriate for His Majesty, He brought out from the back of Adam all of the souls that will exist, that will come into existence till the end of time. And this, this ayah is in Surah Al-A'raf. This is in the Qur'an Kareem. This was a reality. This was a time in which we existed as Allah SWT brought all the souls that were going to be till the Day of Judgment. And he brought them out, وَأَشْهَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ And Allah made them a witness against their own selves, made them a witness of their own selves. And Allah said, أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ 
We were all there in that realm. This is Quran, this Surah Al-A'raf. In that realm of souls before Allah Ta'ala brought that angel and at the fourth month then infused that fetus with that, that soul. Where was that soul? That soul was in the realm of souls. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, every soul that was going to come into existence, Muslim, atheist, Buddhist, Hindu, Christian, Catholic, black, white, north, south, Antarctica, Chinese, whatever you were, from the beginning of time to the end of time, all the progeny of Adam were brought together on this plane. On this plane, on this empty plane. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala made this announcement. I am your Lord. Am I not your Lord? Alastu bi rabbikum. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can say this divine conversation was recorded in the soul of every human being. That is why everybody, and this is the fitrah, Imam al-Tabari, Imam al-Tabari in his tafsir, and he was from amongst the salaf, he said this is the fitrah, the divine conversation that every single one of us had with our Creator. He manifested what he manifested upon us. Imagine, Musa, Allah spoke to Moses, he was Kalimullah. He was the one who Allah spoke to him. Can you imagine Allah had spoken in that special way of his before we came to this world? And that divine conversation is recorded in the soul of every human being, in mine, in yours, in every single person that walks this face of this earth. Every human being that comes on this planet and is born, they have that divine conversation recorded in their soul. This is the fitrah. Imam al-Tabari said, this is the fitrah. And he said this. The other ayah of the Quran says, فِطْرَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي فَطَرَ النَّاسَ عَلَيْهَا لَا تَبْدِيلَ لِخَلْقِ اللَّهِ This is that natural disposition of tawheed. The natural disposition of the oneness of Allah that he, we had that, we, it was recorded. And they, actually there's a book that's written by one of these neurologists. The neurologist says, Why God Won't Go Away. That's the title of the book. Why God Won't Go Away. And he said it's some neurological thing. But the reason why God won't go away is because he's recorded in your soul. And every human being has a soul. Now, what did we say in that conversation? What was the question? And what was the answer? Alastu bi rabbikum. Am I not your... And the word Rabb is not, doesn't mean God. Rabb in Arabic is one of the sifat of Allah Azza wa Jal. You have asma wa sifat. You have the names, the beautiful names of Allah and the attributes. This is not just a name, but it is an attribute. It's a quality. Rabb comes from the word tarbiyah. Rabbul Alameen, the nourisher, the sustainer, the cherisher, the one who takes something from non-existence and brings it from stages. Allah took us from that soul and from that time. Did a time not come over insan, over hum human beings, over humanity, that they were something that would not even be mentioned? You were something that wouldn't, you, you were not even mentioned at one time. You were non-existent. Allah from non-existence brought you into existence. خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ ضَعْفٍ خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ ضَعْفٍ Allah says, we created you in weakness. وَجَعَلَ لَكُمُ السَّمْعَ وَالْأَبْصَارَ وَالْأَفْئِدَةِ And we gave you sight and we gave you hearing and we gave you understanding. We brought you as a child. You were a drop of fluid, and then you became like a chewed piece. Then you were a, a, a leech-like clot that cling to the womb, and then you became like a piece of flesh. Then you became a fetus. Then you became a creation. This is the rub. This is the rub that from one stage to another stage, and then from not knowing anything, you came to know, and then from after knowing. بَلَغَ أَشُدَّهُ وَبَلَغَ أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةِ بَلَغَ أَشُدَّهُ وَبَلَغَ أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةِ قَالَ رَبِّ أَوْزِعْنِي أَنْ أَشْكُرَ نِعْمَتَكَ الَّتِي أَنْ عَمْتَ عَلَيْهِ Until he reached 40 years of age, he reached his prime, 
And then those who are the people of intellect, God is teaching us, Allah is teaching us that when you reach that age, when you reach your understanding in your prime, you should come to this realization. Rabbi, awzi'ani an ashkura ni'amataka allati an'amta When you reach your level of understanding, the first thing you should do is be grateful for Allah's bounties. Oh Allah, inspire me, awzi'ani, inspire me that I should be grateful to you. Immediately, parents. First, Allah and Rasul. Second, parents. What you bestowed upon me and what you bestowed upon my parents. What's after shukr? That I should do righteous deeds. This life that Allah gave us, it's not for this futile amusement. Playing and amusement and showing off and, 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 and adornment. Not just that. But what? An a'mala salihan. Tardahu. That I should do good deeds. Not only good deeds. Good deeds that you're pleased with. Sometimes we do good deeds. We don't know if Allah is pleased with it. An a'mala salihan. Tardahu. So point being is Allah Ta'ala has recorded this within us. Alastu bi rabbikum. Am I not your nourisher? Am I not your cherisher? Am I not your sustainer? Am I not your rabb? We bear witness. Of course. Oh, our Lord, we bear witness. Then what happens? We come to this world. When the soul enters into this vehicle of the body, it forgets. It's like, you know, you have a lamp. The lamp is bright. The lamp is shining. And you just take a, you take a, a, a black shawl and you throw it over the lamp. Everything goes dark. So when that soul went inside of that body, because the body is dense, the soul is brilliance. Suddenly, just, just everything goes dark. You know, like when you get put under in anesthesia, ah, just everything just went dark. I just blanked out. I just blacked out. So when that soul is infused inside of that fetus, inside of that child, you just black out. Now, you have to remember again, slowly, slowly, the purpose of sending the prophets to this world was to remind us of that promise that we made. In tafsir al-tabari, a very interesting point, and this has to do with We're getting there. Just let me give a little bit of introduction how this is related, how the words of the Prophet is very, very deep. He says, say my Lord is Allah and stay firm upon that. Some of the scholars, they say, where did this promise take place? Imam Tabari says this in his tafsir. He says, many of the Salaf say that this promise took place in Arafah. And that is why when we go to Arafah, the Prophet said in the hadith of Bukhari, Al-Hajju Arafah. The Hajj is Arafah. If you miss Arafah, you have missed the Hajj. It is the Rukun. It is the pillar. If you missed Arafah, you've missed the Hajj. What is important about Arafah? Because it was there that you made the promise to Allah and the covenant. And you said, you are my Lord, oh my Lord. And there, when you come to the Hajj, you, you renew your vow. You renew that covenant. You renew that vow. You say, oh Allah, I made that promise. Labbaik, Allahumma labbaik. I am here, oh my Lord, I am here. I have come to fulfill my vow, to renew my vow, to renew my covenant. Allahu Akbar. Such, so deep, our deen. That's why once in a lifetime for every Muslim, it is obligatory for those who have liman istata'a ilayhi sabila. For the one who has the financial capacity and all the other conditions, once in a lifetime, you have to go there to renew that vow, to, you know, uh, refresh that vow, the vow that you had made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In that, on that same grounds, on those same grounds, on those same plains of Arafat, there was a plains in which this promise had taken place. And it's interesting, this surah and this ayah is also in Surah Al-Araf. 
the plains. It's interesting. Allahu alam. And Allah knows best. And Allah knows best. So there, what did we say? Oh Allah, you are our Lord. We come to this world and we say, Allah is our Lord. We live this life. In everything that we do, it should manifest that Allah is our Lord. And then it says, Those who said, In the covenant, Allah, Our Lord is Allah. Shahidna. We bear witness, O Allah, that you are our Lord, and we will live that in our life, in, this, in the life of this world, that you are our Lord. We will manifest that in our actions, in our words, in our deeds, that you are our Lord. So this ayah in Surah Fussilat, ayat number 30, Allah is referring to this covenant. And, and what, is the, what, what, is the, what is the reality of this covenant? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. This is the covenant. I bear witness that there was no one worthy of worship but Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his slave and messenger. Living this is fulfilling that covenant of Allah that we made. That promise that we made. Whether you, whether you go to Hajj or not, you, everybody says the Shahada. Whether you go to the Hajj or not, that, that's, the, that's the covenant. That's the bay'ah that we make to Allah and His Rasul. That's the Shahada. The attestation. Right? And we live, we live according to that. Amantu Billah. I believe in Allah. Thummastaqim. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Verily those who said, Allah. They said it with their, with their, verbally, but they said it physically to their obedience of the sharia, to fulfilling the commandments of Allah and staying away from the prohibitions and following the sharia and the sunnah. رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ And then they have steadfastness upon that. تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ Then the angels will descend upon them. And this is when they have fulfilled their oath at the time of death. Yani they lived fulfilling that covenant and they died with that covenant. And then at the time of death, most of the Salaf al-Saliheen are saying, and the Mufassireen, they say that this is talking about the time of death when the angels descend, the angels of mercy. They will say, La takhafu, have no fear. Wala tahzanu, have no fear of what is yet to come. And have no grief of what has passed. Have no grief of what is past and have no fear of what is yet to come. And glad tidings to you for that paradise that was promised to you. We were your guardians and protectors in the life of this world and we will be your guardian and protector in the grave and that which is going to come after that. For you will be everything that your heart desires. And for you will be everything else that you have been promised as well. And everything else that you will ask for as well. This is an invitation from the most forgiving and the most merciful Lord. May Allah make us from amongst them. Ibn Abbas narrates, that the ayah of the Qur'an in Surah Hud, one day, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they said, Ya Rasulullah, shibta. Oh, qalu, qad asra'a ilayka shayb. Oh, Messenger of Allah, whiteness has come in your beard. Or how quickly has the gray hairs hastened to your beard, O oh, Messenger of Allah. What did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa answer? شَيَّبَتْنِي هُودٌ وَأَخَوَاتُهَا Surah Hud and its sisters and its like surahs has made me gray. And they say that what is the reason behind this? And then some of the uh, scholars they mention لِأَنَّهُ نَزَلَ فِيهَا فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتْ Be steadfast, O Muhammad وسلم, just as you've been commanded. Be steadfast as you've been commanded. And steadfastness, and why the, the Prophet said that Hud is what has made my hair gray. And they say that one of the reasons behind that is because it was this ayah, فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتْ 
Be steadfast as you have been commanded, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu said, Ma nazala ala rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi jami'i al-Qur'ani ayatun kana ashad wa la ashaq alayhi min hadhihi al-aya. Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu is reported to have said that there is no verse of the Qur'an which was harder upon the Prophet than this verse. وَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتْ and be steadfast as you have been commanded, O Muhammad Because steadfastness is the hardest of all things. It is the hardest of all works that we can do. So in Surah Hud is the hukum of istiqama. And also what else is mentioned is the mention of all the previous ummas, all the previous nations that were destroyed. And the Prophet ﷺ had the concern and fear for his ummah that they should not fall into what the previous nations fall in, fell into. Furthermore, the scholars and the commentators of hadith, they say, istiqamah can be divided into a couple of different ways. Istiqamatul amal. Wastiqamatu al qalb. So, istiqamatul amal, the istiqama of your external actions. Not like somebody who, you know, starts praying five times a day and then he says, oh, you know, praying five times is just a little bit too difficult for me. I'm going to just knock it down to like one time a day, you know, uh, at Isha, when, when I, you know, if I have time, you know, after I come back home from work. Yeah, or just Jummah. That's another thing, right? Ah, just, just pray Jummah. Then we're imitating the Christians and Jews, right? Like that, we, in doing this, we start imitating the Christians and Jews. They have a special day for worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the everyday life of a believer, right? At any moment that, you know, that we're passing through our day, that we don't fall into a state of heedlessness and unmindfulness. Allah made our prayer five times a day. So, to save us from that, istiqamatul amal, that in your external actions, you should have istiqama. In whatever actions that you have established, you should remain steadfast with that. That is why the Prophet ﷺ said, خُذُوا مِنَ الْأَعْمَالِ مَا Do those actions and adopt those practices that you're capable of doing. One time, a very famous story about Abdullah ibn Amr ibn, ibn al-As. And he was pray, fasting every day. And he would pray all night. And the Prophet ﷺ called him. He said, you know, what's going on? You know, when he had, he had just gotten married, he, you know, the Amr ibn al-As asked his daughter-in-law. He said, how is my son treating you? He said, very, very good man, but I have not, he has not come to bed even one time, and he stays awake all night, and he is fasting all day. Very, very righteous man, very good man, but I don't see him that much. We don't interact that much. He's too busy. Amr ibn Las, his father, he went straight to the Prophet. He said, no, his son's not going to listen to me. He's not going to listen to me. He went straight to the Prophet, alayhi salatu wasalam. Even though Amr ibn Las, subhanAllah, what a father. Sometimes we don't appreciate our dads, but khair. So he went straight to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I would like for you to have a talk with Abdullah. He said, what's the matter? He said, this is what he's saying. I go to my, I go to my daughter-in-law and say, how my son is treating? Subhanallah, what a father-in-law. This is how a father-in-law should be, checking in, how is my son treating you? So I could check my son if he's not treating you well. Subhanallah. This was the, the justice and the fairness. Now it's the other way around, right? You know, how are you treating my son? I hope you're treating my son good. I hope you're cooking and cleaning properly. No, he asked the, uh, the daughter-in-law, how is my son treating you? I want to know. He said, wonderful man. So look at her piety. And no complaints. Wonderful man. It's just we don't see each other that much. <laughs> Since we've married, we don't meet up that much. He's, subhanAllah, in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. Now we got Valentine's Day coming. This is a story of Valentine's Day right here. 
Abdullah bin Amr ibn As, he's in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't even remember his wife. That's not right love either though. That's not correct. That's, that's a little bit extreme. So the Prophet ﷺ called him. He said, Oh, Abdullah, what is this that I hear about you? Is this true? He said, Yes, O Messenger of Allah, I can do it. All young people say that. But I can do it. I can do it. He says, Yes, I know. But look at what the Prophet ﷺ said. He said, But you, will, you might be able to do it now, but you might not be able to do it later. And when you adopt a practice in Islam, you have to have istiqama. You have to remain steadfast upon that. The most beloved action to Allah is that which has dawam, that which is continuous. Even if it might be little, what do we do? We do a lot and then we leave it. Allah doesn't love that. Allah loves that we do little. One page of Quran daily. Just one page, but do it every day. Not you read 10 khatams in Ramadan and then you never open the Quran the rest of the year. We're making 10 khatams in Ramadan and then we got this much dust on top of the Quran, right? For the rest of the year. This is not, this is not istiqama. So the Prophet ﷺ is telling him, Oh Abdullah ibn Amr, if you want, then fast every other day. Fast three though. He first started Mondays and Thursdays. He gave him a routine. Do three days a month. Ya Rasulullah, I can do more. Okay, fast every Monday and Thursday. Ya Rasulullah, I can do more. He said, okay, you want to do Sawmi Dawood, the fast of Dawood where he would fast one day, break one day. Fast one day, break one day. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I can do more than that. Okay, suit yourself. Because the Prophet wasn't commanding him. He was advising him, recommend. It was a recommendation. And you are... You have, the, you have the liberty of taking the recommendation of the Prophet or not. Later on, when he got old, he said, I wish I took the recommendation of the Prophet. Now, I try and it's becoming tough for me. Because now, what do we learn from the story? The story is not about fasting or about praying. This story is about the most important thing in Islam and in any action that we do is istiqamah. What did we say? Istiqamahs of two types. Istiqamah fil amal wa istiqamah fil qalb. Steadfastness in our actions and in anything that we do, even the nafil, even the nafila, even the mustahab, even that which is optional, when we're going to adopt a practice that it's going to be our regimen, it's going to be our hizb, it's going to be our wird, our daily hizb of Quran, our daily wird of dhikr or whatever we do, tilawa, whatever we do, right? You have to take a regimen that you're going to be able to be steadfast upon it. Steadfastness. This is the point here. And then secondly, istiqama fil qalb. That, you know, we start very sincere. Slowly that sincerity fades away. You know, we're doing khidmah of deen, or we, you know, you know, when we first got into it, when we first came into Islam. I remember I first came into deen when I was in high school. Oh, you know, trying to imitate Bilal radiallahu anhu. Ahad, ahad, not, nothing could, you know, nobody can tell me. And then slowly, 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 it starts waning. It starts going down. Ah, oh, you know, I don't got the energy for Bilal radiallahu anhu. I don't got that, I don't got that energy no more. Like that, that sincerity that we have to try. That, Having them, obviously, you can't always be young, but my point is that those internal qualities, you were sincere. Sincere is a quality you have to have till the day of death. Till the day you die, you have to be sincere. It can't be that you started with sincerity and you're doing some work and then people start praising you. Now your attention goes away from the work and it starts going towards people's praises. Your attention starts going away from the effort and it starts going to the people, you know, saying good words about you. At first we were doing it ikhlas and then later on different situations come about that might change our internal sincerity, change our internal steadfastness. Nowadays, if people see you in the same place doing the same thing, say, what? You're in the same place doing the same thing? And in reality, in our deen, this is the most praised and the most beloved action to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
That a person knows if I'm going to find Abdullah, I'm going to find so-and-so, he's going to be Salatul Fajr at the masjid. It's not going to change. He's going to be in Jumu'ah in the same place. He's going to be in Ramadan in the same place. Never, something never changed. So I, I used to teach at ICF. Many of the brothers, I was there for 10 years. And the reason why I'm saying this is the, the, the mentality of some people. There was a brother, he was visiting the Bay Area. So he saw me, I'm sitting in my corner. You know, my, you know our little corner, Hafizah, where we're sitting in that corner. And, you know, we were doing whatever, hadith or tafsir or fiqh or whatever we were doing. So this brother came one, once and then four years later he came and he, I was in the same place, basically. So he's saying, he was saying as a mockery. He says, I think if I come four years later, you'll probably be sitting in the same place. I said, Amin. I said, Amin. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it so. That when you come four years later, if we're alive, I'll be in the same place doing the same exact thing at the same exact time. Right? We move place, we move places, but we don't change our actions. We have to. This is the most difficult. I think that this is the most difficult test for a believer who has been in the deen. We call them old workers. The old workers. This is the hardest thing for the old workers. Is to keep up the amal, keep up the good deeds, keep up the da'wah, keep up the effort, keep up the, the routine that we had, try. And I'm not talking about, okay, family responsibilities or, this is also part of the deen, don't get me wrong. This is also part of our religious obligations of earning a living and providing for our families. But my point is, is like internally, we have to be constantly checking ourselves that my, the, 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 the compass, the needle of my compass is not going away from that direction. You know the needle of the compass? If you just flick it, it goes all over the place, but then it comes back to true north. That's how the heart of a believer should be. This is the meaning of istiqamah, of the heart of a believer. You flick that needle from true north, it'll go all over the place. It's like this. But then eventually, once it settles, it goes back to true north. That's how you have to be with your steadfastness. You might be all over the place. There might be certain things that hit you off. There might be certain things that put you off. And this is the most difficult thing. Hafizah, this is the most difficult thing for the students of knowledge, for the graduates, for the da'is, for the people that are doing da'wah. And when, when, when Allah Azza wa Jal gave this hukum to the Prophet, it was in relation to da'wah. It was in relation to effort. The worship of the Prophet is never going to stop. But that, 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 that da'wah, do you see what I'm saying? The classes, the da'wah, the concern, the moving. Gotta constantly be moving. Gotta constantly be, you know, in the effort. Don't allow anything. And when you, and you have to constantly be gauging your heart, watching your heart that, you know, have I gone down? Has my sincerity gone down? Has my focus gone somewhere else? And then people say, brother, I grew out of this. You grew out of deen? You grew out of the masjid? What are you talking about? I grew out of this. I grew out of the masjid. You know, now I'm at another stage. I said, brother, I don't know what you grew into. I don't know what it is that you grew into, but what you grew out of is not something we're supposed to grow out of. Right? You know, your heart, you never grow out of your heart. The heart is the same heart till the day the heart stops. Nobody ever says, I grew out of my heart. I grew out of my kidneys. The kidneys are there. The heart is there. You know the heart that's growing too much? Yeah, that heart got a problem. It's an enlarged heart. That's dangerous. The heart's not this, your amal, your heart, your sincerity, your focus, your tawajju ilallah, your effort. You got to constantly be watchful. This is the biggest test for the workers. Dr. This is the hardest work, Dr. Sab. We're also, you know, in the same boat. We also have to constantly watch. This is the biggest test. This is what made the Mubarak beard of the Prophet turn white. Be steadfast upon this effort. 
as you've been commanded, because it's, it's, it's difficult. So the istiqama of the heart and the istiqama of the actions. Lastly, Imam Al-Qushayri says something very beautiful. He said, look, istiqama and steadfastness is something very, very important. Al-istiqamatu darajatun biha kamalul umuri wa tamamuha wa bi wujudiha husulul khayrati wa nidhamuha wa man lam yakun mustaqiman da'a sa'yuhu wa jidduhu wa khaba juhduhu Such an important thing, subhanallah. He says, al-istiqamatu darajatun biha kamalul umuri wa tamamuha that istiqama is a status that you have to have because it is through istiqama that things reach perfection. If you don't have steadfastness, whatever you're working on, it's not going to reach perfection. I'll give you an example. Imagine your dean to be like a course, to be like you're getting your master's. You're in, you're in a university, you want to become a doctor. And you need, istiqama is that factor that is going to determine whether you complete or do not complete. This is, what, this is, the, this is where istiqama fits in. If we were to look at somebody becoming a doctor, somebody going to get their degree, istiqama is that which determines whether you complete or whether you become a failure or back out. A person who has steadfastness, he completes his bachelor's, he completes the medical school, after medical school, then he does his internship, and then he doesn't, he says, oh, after the internship, I'm, I'm too tired, I can't, I, I'm not going to go and do the internship. He's not going to become a doctor. He gave up. That istiqama he needed, that steadfast he needed to take a couple of more, two more steps to finish that internship to complete, that, to, to, to complete becoming a doctor. Even medical school is not enough. You did medical school, so what? Now you got to go further. So my point is, is that for us to understand what is istiqama? It is that which distinguishes whether you complete something or you do not complete. If we look at our deen, steadfastness is what will complete our deen. وَبِوُجُودِهَا حُصُولُ الْخَيْرَاتِ وَنِظَامُهَا And with the existence of istiqama, do you attain benefits? You start a business. If you don't go and Take care of your investment. Stay with it. Stick with it. And you just back off and you just get you know, impatient. If you don't have steadfastness with it, your business will not be successful. Your college will not be successful. Your schooling will not be successful. Your university will not be successful. Your project will not be successful. Anything that you begin, what determines you ending and completing it? It's steadfastness. What determines the completion of that project, what determines the completion of that work is istiqama. If you don't have that, no work can reach completion. No effort can reach perfection. And understand this in your deen as well. You can never give up. وَمَنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ And this is the, this is the, this is the key right here. وَمَنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ مُسْتَقِيمًا ضَاعَ سَعْيُهُ وَجُهْدُهُ and anyone who does not have istiqama, all his efforts and all his striving will go to waste. You strove, you went to college, you went and you did it, and then what you did, just dropped it. You dropped the ball right in the middle when you should have let, let it to come. It's that istiqama that pushes you. Without istiqama, your works will end up waste. Your works and your time ends up what? ends up to become, right, a failure. It is with istiqama that every work reaches perfection. Every work reaches completion. And it is through istiqama that you protect your works from getting wasted. You protect your efforts from getting wasted. May Allah give us the tawfiq. And I want to end with this, something interesting about istiqama. A very famous story about Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Imam Ahmad, we know, he's called Imam Ahl Sunnah, because he stood up when the, 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 the deviant sects of the Mu'tazila, they were saying that the Qur'an is created. This Qur'an, the word of Allah, is a created. And he was saying, Al-Qur'anu kalamullahi ghayru makhluq. 
The Quran is the word of Allah. It is the uncreated word of Allah. The Quran is the uncreated word of Allah. They will say, no, the Quran is created. So the, the point is, is that Quran is the eternal word revealed by Allah Azza wa Jal. This revelation is uncreated. To say that that is created, it is made, it's makhluq, this is against the aqidah of the Prophet and of the Sahaba and those who are the righteous present. So anyways, this fitna came about. And my, my, my purpose is not talking about this fitna. This, this, this tribulation came about in the Ummah. Sayyidina Imam Ahmad stood up and he opposed this fitna and spoke against this fitna courageously due to which he was imprisoned, due to which he was put through trials, due to which he was tortured. He would be tortured every day. He would be whipped. They say that he was whipped to such an extent that the flesh of his back fell. And the, the person who was, the doctor was sewing and he said, I don't know what to do with this back. There's nothing to sew here. You can imagine that this was not a normal whipping. The intent was to kill him. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed that, that he becomes uh, an, an example and, 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 uh, and a role model for all creation till that day of judgment. Anyways, while he was in prison, there was a thief in the prison with him. And he would go and he would see that Imam Ahmad, every day from the torture that he was receiving, he did not even have the strength to talk, he did not have the strength to stand, he did not have the strength to walk. And this thief had immense respect for Imam Ahmad. He knew. And this was the difference between the sinners of the past and the sinners of now. The sinner knew he was a sinner. The sinner knew that what he did was wrong. And they knew the people of Haq, they knew the people of Deen, and they knew the people of, of, of misguidance as well. So I'm, I'm bad. May Allah give me Hidayah. They didn't try to justify their evil. They said, I'm bad. May Allah give me Hidayah. You are the Imam. They, they, they gave respect to who, to, to who deserved respect. He came to Imam Ahmad. He said, Oh Imam, may Allah honor you in this life and the hereafter. Do not wane. Do not lose strength. Don't go back on istiqama. Take it from me. <laughs> see how long I'm in here? You see how long every time I'm in here, they torture me. So I could admit and I could, I, could, I could tell them, where's the goods that I stole? And I never say anything to them. Learn from me. We're robbers and thieves here. You are the Imam of Ahlul Sunnah. They torture me, I will take all the torture because I will never tell them, where's the goods? That's my living. That's how I make a living. He says, if you back down, if you back down, Look at us, we're not back. If you back down, then your backing down will be a loss for this ummah. Have istiqamah, O Imam. And do not let your strength wane. Because when you are standing, the entire ummah will stand behind you. Khair, whatever happened, he said, after that day, Imam Ahmad said, he says, look at us, let, and, then, oh yeah, and he said, let not anybody say, let not anybody think, and let not anybody say that the people of righteousness have less steadfastness than the people of sin. Let that not be. Oh, Imam, never let that be. That the people of sin have more steadfastness in their sinning than the people of righteousness have in their good deeds? Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. When Imam Ahmad heard it, he said, that is it. It gave him such strength that they said that he would go to the whipping and he wouldn't even say, ah. His voice would not even be heard. Many years later after Imam Ahmad was released and the robber and the thief was released, many years passed, they told Imam Ahmad that that thief passed away. He said, how come you didn't tell me I would attend his janazah? He said, show me where is his grave. Imam Ahmad went to his grave and Imam Ahmad made dua of maghfirah for him. They said, yeah, Imam, what is this? He said, it is through him that Allah gave me the strength to go on. I learned from his istiqamah. 
And we know, subhanAllah, the whole ummah, that the, 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 the Mu'tazilas died, their, their, their false beliefs died out, the Mu'tazila died out, nobody even knows who they are, nothing exists from them. Not even their books can be found nowadays. Now there's, you know, some people in certain universities in England and these places are actually trying to revive the works and find the makhtutat and the manuscripts of the Mu'tazila. But the point is, is like, you can't even find their works, any, the istiqama, the steadfastness of Imam Ahmad, his strength, his resilience, and this is, it scares me. Sometimes I see, I've been talking to Dr. Salim and, and, and Hafiz Kothar about Hindu yogis. Like these people be fasting like forever. Forever. And they be praying. And they be, you know, vow of celibacy. And I'm like, I can't even guard my eyes. I can't even guard myself from, you know, lustful glances. I can't, guard, I can't even pray. And this person like... The istiqamah of the people of falsehood Should not and cannot be more Than the istiqamah of the people of iman Cannot be That's the point here And Imam Ahmad he made dua for him In the night somebody saw This thief in a dream He saw the thief in Jannah He said how do you get to Jannah He said it was to the dua of Imam Ahmad And Allah praised me For the advice that I had given him Subhanallah. May Allah make us from the people of istiqamah. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanak Allahumma hamdika. Nashadu an la ilaha ila anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanallah rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamu ala al-musaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.